Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. This is, um, this is one of those passages we are used to hearing around Christmas time in Advent. Um, but it's good to hear it at other times as well. This is Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10, which can be found on page 1113 in your pew Bibles. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. We pray that you would help us this morning to hear your word, to hear it with ears that are ready to hear, with minds that are ready and prepared to understand, and Lord, with hearts that are ready to receive what you are, what you have for us, what you're doing in us and through us. Lord, this morning, by your word and your spirit, you'd continue to change us into the people that you've made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Turning then to our New Testament lesson, this is Philippians. Uh, Chapter 4, we have been uh, making our way through Philippians. And uh, this morning, we get, it says 14 through 21. We're actually going to go 14 through 23, all the way to the end. Paul writing the church in Philippi from, uh, from prison in Rome. And he says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, acceptable 
an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as I mentioned in the children's sermon, uh, God has given us multiple reminders of resurrection that are kind of built into uh, the way that this world operates. And so whether that is through the sleeping and waking up every morning, whether that is through the seasons of the year as everything dies and then comes back to life, uh, that we have these reminders of resurrection around us all the time. And yet, when we are faced with death, it's pretty easy to forget all those reminders that we have. When we are faced with death, we uh, very quickly can go into the, but that's it. It's over the end, period. But if, um, if we are in that moment and we are feeling that this is the end, period, can I just ask you uh, first to just add a squiggly line above that period so it becomes the end? Turn it into a question mark. Is this the end? And then maybe from that, get to the point of replacing the question mark with three periods. <laughs> the end, dot, 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 as though it's the end for now. <laughs> but remembering that there is a resurrection coming. Um, we're going to get into some of that here in a little bit. Uh, where I want us to go, though, is we've been talking about the book of John. We've been talking about, uh, in the book of John, how there are a lot of sevens, that uh, he talks about how Jesus says, I am, period, seven times throughout the gospel. He says, I am, dot, 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 seven times. I am uh, the bread of life, etc. those kinds of things. We also are looking at seven signs that John tells us that Jesus gives to the people to, uh, to show who Jesus is and what he's about. And we have seen five of those so far, and today we get the sixth. The sixth sign, and it's been one that if you've been here the last several weeks, it's like we're ready for this one now. <laughs> this is uh, what's been going on is uh, one of Jesus's good friends, um, actually a family of friends, it's uh, Lazarus and his sisters Martha and Mary, and they, Jesus gets word with the disciples that uh, Lazarus, the one Jesus loves, is sick. And it says that Jesus, because he loves this family, doesn't go to them right away. But instead, he waits two more days, and then he goes. What's that about? But he, he goes eventually, but when he gets there, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. And this is what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, and, uh, and as I've been telling us, 
you know, as we go through this, we kind of have to put ourselves in the position of the people who are there, not as those who don't know where this story is heading. Jesus knows where the story is heading. If we've read this before, we know where the story is heading. Uh, if we've heard of Lazarus, it's probably because we know where the story is heading. But Mary didn't know. Martha didn't know. And so what we have seen so far is how Jesus comes and he meets them where they are, as those who don't know, but he knows. And so we see him with Martha, and he has this theological conversation with her and says, I am the resurrection and the life, you know, those kinds of things. Do you believe this? Yeah, yeah, I believe And then with Mary, he just cries with her. And that's where she is, and that's what he does. But now, he's dealt with Martha. He's dealt with Mary. Now it's time for him to deal with Lazarus. And that's where we're going to pick up uh, the story today. And we're going to look at this in terms of uh, Jesus giving three commands and praying a prayer. And that's what we're going to look at. This is in um, John chapter 11, and it's verses 38 through 44. We'll read it through, and we'll talk about it. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. (laughs) But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. There will be additional uh, ramifications from this, and we will look at those uh, some next week and beyond. But for now, this is it. This is the sixth sign. This is Jesus actually raising someone from the dead and not someone who has just died. And so, you know, it's like the, the CPR and get the heart going again kind of thing. It is, this is someone who has been dead and has been in the tomb for four days. There is no hope. And Jesus shows up and after talking with Martha and talking with Mary, then he, uh, where have you laid him? He goes, to the tomb, and he gives the first command, which is, take away the stone. Now, again, put yourself back in their, in their shoes. Are they expecting Jesus to raise Lazarus from the dead? No. So when he says, take away the stone, why is he wanting them to take away the stone? I don't know, but my guess is that... Uh, in their minds, he's sad that he didn't get there in time for the funeral. And he didn't have the, you know, open casket kind of thing. He wants that, you know, wants to see Lazarus again. Like, that's got to be what they're thinking he's doing, right? It's too late to do anything else. So, okay, open it up. I want to see him one last time kind of thing. And so we have Martha 
ever practical Martha. Jesus says, take away the stone. And she says, objection, your honor. That's going to (laughs) stink. And he says, overruled. (laughs) He says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now listen. There's this interplay all through John, believing and seeing. Like that is together a lot. There's a lot of talk throughout John about believing. There's a lot of talk in John about seeing. And, uh, and here, the way that Jesus puts it might not be the way that you'd expect him to put it. You might expect that he would say uh, that if you, well, we think of it seeing is believing, right? And so if you see it, then you're going to believe. And that's kind of how the signs have worked so far is that people see the sign that he gives, and then they'll see, okay, and then they see that Jesus is who he claims to be. This time, Jesus flips it on us. Did I tell you, if, the, if you believe, then you will see the glory of God. This is that's a whole different thing. Now, uh, I'm going to... This is a weird math thing, so stay with me. Um... There's probably no way that someone could convince you that uh, 2 plus 2 equals 5, right? Like, that's not, that's just not right. So, okay, that's fine. But there is this weird math thing where, do you know, uh, 0.99999 repeated forever? Do you know that 0.99 repeated forever is the same thing as the number 1? Does that sit right with you? Or does that feel like, mm, that's not right? 0.9999999 forever equals one. Do you believe it? Yeah? No? Here's the thing. For most people, that sounds not right. Mathematically, no, it's, that'll be really close to one, but it's not one. But if you remember uh, decimal to fraction conversion, here's what I say. Stay with me for a bit. We're going to do some math. Uh, if you take one-third plus one-third plus one-third, okay, that equals one, right? Three-thirds, the whole thing. If you convert those one-thirds into decimal, it's 0.3 repeating plus 0.3 repeating plus 0.3 repeating, which would be 0.9 repeating, which is one. <laughs> anyway, if that's something you're still having, like, I'm not sure about that. There are places you can go. You can figure that one out. Um, that'll help make that make more sense. I will tell you this. The first time I heard that, I had this instinctive uh, reaction to it that was like, no, no, that can't be right. And it, it took a while before I finally get on board with that. Here's the thing. If you hear something like that and you think it cannot possibly be, and then you fight it, which is what I did, then it takes a whole lot longer before you actually will see it because you're so resistant to it. What Jesus is saying here is if you believe, if Martha, who has already said, yes, I believe that you are the Messiah and the Son of God, he's like, if you really believe that, then what you're getting ready to see, not only will you see something amazing, but you will understand what it is. You will understand that when he comes to life, it's not just about him coming to life. You'll understand that this is about the glory of God in your midst. But the belief comes first. If you believe, 
then you will see the glory of God. If you don't believe, you'll still see a dead man come to life. You just won't have any idea what in the world that's about. But Jesus says, if you believe, then you will see. So the question is, you know, are they open uh, to Jesus being who he says he is? Do they already have this belief? So that's the little objection and his way of answering it. But let's get back to the command. See, here's one of the things that we see throughout uh, this whole passage is we see Jesus give three commands. And we see the things happen as he says. And one of the things we've talked about, you know, the kingdom of God is really everywhere where God's will is done is the kingdom of God. It's where people are actually acknowledging him as the king and therefore doing what he says. And what do we see Jesus doing here but giving commands as though he's in charge? Everybody else has been there for days. He just shows up and starts telling people what to do. And of course, the first thing he says to do, take away the stone. And they don't respond immediately and do it. Martha, the very person who says, I believe that you are the Messiah and the Son of God, is the same one who, when he then says, okay, here's what I want you to do. She's like, well, no, you don't want to do that. That's clearly ridiculous. So does she really believe that he is the Messiah, the Son of God? How many of us have been in exactly her position? Or we stand here on a Sunday and we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And we say, yes, that is who he is. And then we find ourselves in a situation where God is saying, here's what I want you to do. And we say, well, no, 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 we're not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, we're Martha. We know where she lives. That's where we live. The I, I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that I should still get to say how things go. <laughs> no. No, Jesus says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. <laughs> Do what I say. And we'll see this happen. And so they do. They take away the stone. So the command was take away the stone. You get down a little bit later and it says, so they took away the stone. Martha's objections overruled. Um, we're going to skip the prayer for a second. The next command he gives is Lazarus come out. And the very next words, the dead man came out. That's so wonderfully understated. He just says, Lazarus come out. The dead man came out. In other words, when the word of God comes, there is a response. This is, uh, it goes back to Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you go on all through uh, chapter 1 of Genesis, and it's, then God said, let there be this. And then there was this. What he says happens. And that goes uh, just all the way through Genesis 1. And then you open John 1. And how does he open? In the beginning was the Word. <laughs> and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. 
And then you skip down to verse 14, and he says, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So should it be any surprise that when Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, that the Word of God who was with God in the beginning, that the Word of God who is life, that the Word of God would then come to Lazarus who is dead, should it be any surprise that Lazarus would then get up and come out? No. Not if we understand what, uh, what John has already told us in John chapter 1 of who Jesus is. The Word who has become flesh. And so as he gives the command, the command is immediately uh, answered. Now we'll go back to the prayer. The prayer says, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Does that strike you as a strange prayer? Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Don't you think he might pray something like, God, will you please raise Lazarus from the dead? But that's not the prayer. The prayer is, I thank you that you've heard me. What? What are you talking about? Jesus, before he ever came to Bethany, told his disciples the reason he's going there is to wake Lazarus up. He knew before he ever left to go to Bethany that Lazarus had already died, and he told them as much. He knows before he gets there, this is what he's doing when he gets there. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. When he gets to Bethany and he's standing there at the tomb, he doesn't say, okay, God, it's time to do your thing. No, instead he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. In other words, this has been an ongoing conversation from before he ever set out to go to Bethany. That Lazarus will come back to life. And so when he gets there, what Jesus is saying is not, okay, now I need you to do something. He says, God, we're in this together. I know that. You know that. I just want everybody else to know that. That this is not just me doing something on my own. That this is a, an ongoing connection and that everything I do, I do because of who you are and what you have done. And I, it's all so, so interconnected. I just want them to know that <laughs> so that uh, they will believe that you sent me. Well, the dead man uh, comes, comes out which, like I say, if we've been paying attention through uh, the Gospel of John, it's almost like we should be ready for this to be the case. We heard in John 1, uh, where it says, uh, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. If you go to chapter 5, Jesus has already said things like this. Uh, chapter 5, verse 25 says, very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This is something Jesus talked about, you know, chapters ago. Verse 28, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. 
Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. It's the same thing all the way through. It's just before Jesus was saying, this is the case, and now people are seeing that this is the case. And this is why he says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Um, when Lazarus comes out, it says his hands and feet are still wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And so Jesus gives the third and final command in this scene, and we're not told the response. The first time there's, a, there's an objection, the second time happens immediately. The third time, um, it's just kind of left open. But the command is this. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This seems incredibly practical, doesn't it? If you have a man who has been dead and so he's been wrapped up in this stuff and put in the tomb and now he comes out, he's not dead anymore. And so what he is wearing is completely inappropriate for his situation, (laughs) to be wearing the clothes of a dead man when he's walking around alive. And Jesus says, take that stuff off him. That's not appropriate anymore. Uh, He needs to go free from that. Some of the things I've read on this uh, talk about how, you know, he may have been able, if his legs were bound together, he may have been shuffling or hopping kind of thing to, to come out because that would be restrictive. Jesus says, take that off. Let him go. Um, with that in mind, uh, I think one of the reasons we're not told what happens here is because it, it would be ridiculous for there to be an objection at this point. No, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Put him back. No, 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 that's what he needs to wear now. We went to a lot of trouble putting that on him. It should just stay. No, it's everybody gets, this is ridiculous. He should not keep wearing this. It's time for him to be released from that and put on clothes uh, of someone who is alive. So, skip forward. This is where it comes to us. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And he goes on. But that idea of having been made alive spiritually when we were dead spiritually... He says, that is what's happened to us if we are Christians, if we believe that he is who he says he is, if we see this glory of God when we read about the things that Jesus has done, when we see the ways that he works in our lives. He says, that's what's happened with us. We've gone from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. So then, if you move on in Ephesians, guess what he says to do later on? He says, those of you who've been made alive with Christ, 
are still wearing the grave clothes. You're still wearing the, the death stuff that's inappropriate for who you now are. So if you flip over to chapter 4, he has all kinds of things, uh, starting in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We're all members of one body. Uh, Goes through a bunch of these. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. They may have something to, uh, to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Get rid of all bitterness. I'm skipping around, but get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. But this is the language. It's the take off the death stuff. (laughs) Take off all those old habits that are just like the clothes that Lazarus was wearing, it's inappropriate if you are now alive. When you were dead, sure, it made sense. But you're not dead anymore. If you're alive, take off that stuff and go. This is um, what Jesus says with Lazarus. Take off his grave clothes and let him go. And I think this is what Paul is communicating to all of us is the same command. Take off your grave clothes and go as those who have been made alive. And so then the question is, do we respond like Martha with an objection, or do we understand, like everybody understands with Lazarus, that of course, of course that makes sense, that that stuff would be inappropriate, that that kind of clothing is inappropriate for those who have been made alive, so that we can take that off and put on something else, uh, as those who are created uh, to live and to live in righteousness with Christ Jesus. That is the question for us. That is the sixth sign uh, in the Gospel of John. There's one more to go. And next week, though, we will hear how that this sign starts us on the path towards that one. For now, we have... Our questions uh, of how we how we now should live as those who've been made alive. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.